Welcome to Into the Blue, a weekly look behind the scenes of the Tampa Bay Lightning with reporters Gabby Shirley and Chris Cran. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Blue. I'm Gabby Shirley along with Christopher Cran. Unfortunately, we are not sitting side by side for this recording of the podcast. I'm in Toronto. Chris, you're in Tampa, but we still have a lot of good things for our listeners. Yes, very sad. I can't be with you in Toronto. Always love seeing games there. The playoff games are a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously we're recording this on Monday afternoon before the Maple Leafs game. Uh, the fans won't hear this until Tuesday morning. Um, but hopefully the Lightning can play well against a division opponent that the game did not go as well as they would have liked last time uh, when it was in Tampa. So hopefully a better result for them tonight. Absolutely. We are going to get going here, Chris, because as I've mentioned to you before, I have a bus to catch before that <laughs> game and I cannot be late because it will leave without me. Okay, so we got this. I am starting my timer here as I forgot to start it already. And we're going to get into our first topic, which is the Tampa Bay Lightning getting their first win on the road that happened in Ottawa after starting the season with an 0-3-1 road record. They beat the Senators 6-4. to on Saturday. Chris, your thoughts on that first road victory for the Lightning? Yeah, I thought it was great to see them come out and have a lot of effort uh, and play really hard in that game. You know, they lost the first game of the trip, obviously, in Columbus. Uh, they were up 2-1 going into the third period, and then you get outscored 3-0 in the third, lose 4-2. You could hear in, in John Cooper's voice alone after the game that he was not happy with the effort I think they gave in the third period. And you know, he said, I mean, we're just finding ways to lose games. That's it. I mean, that was a nothing game. That should have been easy and over. And, uh, yeah, you lose a face off and don't tie the guy up corner of the net. You know, now it's anybody's game. And it's, uh, you know, I think our goalie might have got a little tied up there on the third one. But, you know, the fact that we were just giving those chances was not what we'd done for the first two periods. And so, uh, you know, we just didn't have any push. So it goes back to playing that whole complete game of 60 minutes and playing hard for the entire game. The Ottawa game, you know, they gave up some goals in the third period and it was kind of back and forth a little bit. But I liked the Lightning's ability to respond in that game. You know, they gave up the first goal after I thought they were really controlling play um, and they were able to come back and, and tie it and then obviously take the lead as well. Uh, I liked Austin Watson getting back into the lineup and dropping the gloves, you know, two and a half minutes into the game. I thought that was a good way to kind of get a spark a little bit for the guys and, and make sure you know the message was sent that we're here to play and we're here to play hard. Um, but the thing I liked the most, I think, is just after that Columbus game, I think you really would like your leaders to kind of step up and pull the team into the fight. And I thought the Lightning obviously got that with Kucherov having the five-point night and Point getting the hat trick and four points. You know, Hedman with two points. You saw just some big guys stepping up and, and kind of leading the way a little bit. So I thought that was really nice to see. And that's a building that they've struggled in recently. You know, the past four games before that one, they had lost four in a row in Ottawa and, and kind of got outscored pretty heavily there. 23 to eight was the, they were getting outscored by the previous four games in Ottawa. So a tough building for them to play in and, you know, another divisional team that's up on the rise and just a really good effort from them coming out and playing really hard. And I think that's kind of the theme with the team this year is they, they work really hard and if they can keep, you know, outworking teams, they have the skill to, to beat any team and um, hopefully they can just keep piecing it together for 60 minutes. I think that's another big thing for them is just playing that full 60 minute game. But what were your thoughts on the game? 
Yeah, Chris, you touched on it. And this is what John Cooper said, that it was a game of responses. And in the simplest of terms, okay, what does he mean by that? Well, they lost in a disappointing loss to Columbus on Thursday. And they came right out in that first period. Austin Watson called it a bounce back period. And as you said, less than three minutes into it, he drops the gloves. So already, I think they were responding to how the third period went in the previous game. Brady Kachuk, he scores that first goal in the first period. Victor Hedman scores. In the second period, Braden Point, he scores his first of three goals, 32 seconds into it. And then once again, third period, Brady Kachuk scores and Kucherov scores 16 seconds later. Mm -hmm. So it just felt like, yes, the Lightning hit some bumps in the road, a little bit of adversity, if you will. But each time they came back and we've heard John Cooper say before that he doesn't understand why they weren't pushing. Where was the desperation? And they showed all of that. Despite a pretty crazy third period, I think the Lightning would have liked to clean some things up there, allowing that many goals. But um, I think that they showed that push, the desperation that you need to win games, especially on the road. Exactly. And, and you're right. Just the, the ability of them to respond. And we've talked about that on this podcast this year. They've They've shown a strong ability to respond um, when they faced adversity, which I think is a great thing for a team. You're going to see that during the playoffs, a lot of momentum swings. And you're right, they probably would have liked it to be a little bit cleaner in the third period there, but their ability to answer and and score goals pretty much right after Ottawa had scored theirs, um, I thought that was really big. And Braden Point, I mean, just to see him, you know, get that hat trick, I thought it's great for him. We saw him get that first goal, and now you're starting to see them kind of come in bunches, like we said. And he gets credit for the game-winning goal. It's his third game-winning goal of the season already. This is a guy that he scores big-time goals for the Lightning. They're going to need him to continue to score. He's up to 47 game-winners on his career now. It's already fourth in Lightning franchise history. So a lot of game-winning goals, 47 through 510 games in his career. I mean, next up in third place was LeCavier. He had 60 game-winning goals. So point was only 13 away from that. LeCavier played a th- over 1,000 games of the Lightning. So Point already 13 game-winning goals back, and he's played half the game. So it's a guy that scores a lot of goals and a lot of big goals, too. Um, so good to see him scoring, and, and the Lightning are going to need that moving forward. You know, him and Cooch both had big games, and those are the guys that you're going to need to be your superstars like they were last year. So a really good bounce-back game, and, and as I said, fans won't hear this until after the Toronto game, but you hope they can kind of wrap up the road trip and keep that same intensity and get some points against these division rivals because, really, the Lightning are right in the thick of it in the division right now, and um, you know, it's not too long before Vassy comes back and they'll be at full strength. And, and you know, we've talked about how, how well Johansson has played. But overall, I think they're in a pretty good spot and hopefully they can just keep bringing that intensity to games throughout 60 minutes. The last thing I'll add, Chris, which I think fell to the bottom of the priority list. So I didn't ask anyone about it. But after that loss to Columbus on Thursday in practice on Friday, every line was different except for that Stamkos Paul Sherry line, which had both of the goals on Thursday. Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, who usually always skate on the same line, were separated. I don't think these guys need any sort of motivation, but maybe even just a little like kick because I think they like playing together. So they started that game in Ottawa, not on the same line, and then very quickly were back together and we see how they did with Kuch recording five points and Braden Point with the hat trick and an assist. So I liked that, you know, the Lightning, perhaps the coaching staff decided let's shake it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then they came back together and proved that they're good. We, we already know this, but proved once again, why they're such a good pairing on the same line. Yeah, that's a great point. And they are, they are, they've just played together so well over these past several years and they've developed such a strong chemistry, but you're right. It is good to see them kind of 
almost make a point, right? That, hey, we're, we're really <laughs> yeah. good together and we can... No pun intended. Yeah, exactly. But but they can contribute, obviously. And um, so good to see them get that win. And now let's move on to our second topic, which is roster changes. Obviously, we've seen Tyler Mott skating with the team in a regular colored jersey now. He's kind of shed that red no contact jersey, waiting for him to get activated off IR. Um, but the Lightning have made the necessary moves to, to activate him and bring him back to the roster. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? So it started on Thursday morning before the Columbus game. Hayden Fleury was sent to the AHL affiliate, the Syracuse Crunch, on a conditioning assignment. And Chris, you'll have to make sure to chime in because I'm really just trying to get a full understanding of this. It's a little bit complicated. Mm -hmm. But that conditioning assignment, number one, he has to agree to it. Obviously, he did. And it's two weeks. So after those two weeks, I believe he then goes back on waivers or he comes back back with the team after that Chris do you know what happens after those two weeks yeah you nailed it so basically he he can go down there for two weeks there's also a number of games he's allowed to play um so okay it's either two weeks or a number of games but with the way that AHL schedule is set up I don't think he would hit that number of games I think it is just a two-week thing as you mentioned he has to agree to go down on a conditioning stint and doing that he doesn't have to clear waivers um and you have to have you have to have played a certain amount of NHL games or, you know, missed a certain amount of games, but been on the roster to, to qualify for a conditioning stint, I believe. Um, but he goes down, as you said, he has to agree. Um, once those two weeks are up, he can come back up onto the active roster. Or as you mentioned, the lightning would then have to put him on waivers um, and he would have to clear to stay in Syracuse. So still a little time to see what happens there. But the main thing to remember is that them sending him to Syracuse on the conditioning stint, it does nothing for the current roster. It doesn't open a roster spot for Tyler Mott. It doesn't affect the cap. It doesn't, you know, give them more money. Um, he still counts as a roster spot for the Lightning and still counts against the cap. So they had to make another move uh, to get Tyler Mott back, which I'll let you take that one as well if you'd like. Yeah, and I guess another thing to add there too, Chris, as you mentioned, games played versus games not played. Hayden Flurry has only skated in two games this season. Mm -hmm. So he needs to get some more playing time, and he's able to do that in Syracuse. And then we fast forward to this past Sunday, Sunday morning, between the Ottawa game and the Toronto game. While Terry Merrilla, Chris, you've been on the train leading the charge for this guy, and he has done well, skated in 10 games this season, but he was sent down to the Syracuse Crunch. He did not have to clear waivers um, he was only scratched in one game and it was that second game against Ottawa right before he was sent down. Chris, he averaged nearly 11 minutes of ice time in those 10 games, but he didn't have any points. I don't think he played badly, but do you think that had something to do with him going down? Obviously the end goal was to clear a spot for Tyler Mott, but why him? Well, I think you said it, the, the fact that he doesn't have to clear waivers is probably the the main deciding factor there. He's, he's the one guy on the roster that doesn't have to clear waivers. Um, he can go down and he can play, you know, top six minutes in Syracuse and, and get some more, you know, experience on the smaller ice in North America and, and playing pro hockey over here. Um, but really, I do think the main thing is the waivers. And I've said on previous uh, episodes and on the radio that he brings a lot of value to the NHL roster with his ability to kill penalties. And he can play 200 feet, which I think he takes a lot of pride in. Um, but in bringing back a guy like Tyler Mott, he can also kill penalties. So, right. um, you know, sending him down, you're, you're losing a guy on the PK, but you're gaining one in Mott, a guy that has experience doing that. And, you know, you look at Alex Barre-Boulet, who was probably the other candidate, I would say, maybe to get sent down. And, and he's just played extremely well since he's been brought back up. You know, he's, we've seen him on the top line a lot with 
point in Kucherov. He's, he's contributed offensively. You can see his confidence level really growing, I think. He looks a lot more confident with the puck. And, you know, he's a smaller guy, but he can win puck battles, and he's not afraid to go to the dirty areas. So I think the way he's played, he has made a statement, and I don't think the Lightning could afford to to send him down. Uh, would he get claimed on waivers? Maybe. Um, but just even that risk, I think, is too much right now with the way he's played. So I think it made the most sense for Marilla. Uh, like you said, I think he's played well. And one one thing I kind of look for is, okay, is, is he making mistakes? And does he stick out because of the mistakes he's made? And, and I didn't think he had. I thought he played well, oh, was doing the right things. He, you know, big body, he's willing to play physical. And it's good when you're not sticking out for negative things. Um, but I think he just made the most sense to to get sent down with the waiver situation. And I don't think this is the last time, um, you know, we'll see him in a lighting jersey. I imagine he'll be back up at some point this year. Yeah, and to that point of what the Lightning were forced to do, John Cooper said it before, this was a good problem to have, meaning that they had great players. It Whatever happened, they probably didn't want it to happen, but getting Tyler Mott back was also good. So this seemed to be the move with the least disruption to the team, if you will, because while Terry Marilla is still here in this organization. Um, let's go to our final topic here with Tyler Mott returning to game action on Monday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. What do you think he's going to bring to this team? Well, we've talked about him before. He's a guy that I think a lot of people, you know, thought the lighting would have interest in in the past at the trade deadline because he is a guy that has been moved um, and he's had success with with most teams that he's played on. Um, I think one thing he brings is a lot of speed. We've talked a lot about that, too. You know, we felt that the lightning probably need to get a little bit faster than years past. And he brings that. He's a really good skater. We've heard Cooper talk about his shot, and it was Cooper was really surprised with with how good his shot is, and you see it in practice too. I mean, he can really rip the puck, and he's shown the ability to score goals at the NHL level too. With that being said, I don't think that's you know necessarily his main role. Scoring isn't isn't you know he's not here to be a top six goal scorer, um, but his ability to do that and contribute offensively obviously helps. Um, and as I mentioned before, he he plays penalty kill, so he can step right in for Marilla. Um, get on that penalty kill probably with Luke Glendening, I would guess, because you don't want to split that Hagel-Sorelli-PK pairing that we love so much. And, um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, we talked about at the first segment. The Lightning have talked a lot about playing hard and playing for a full 60 minutes and working hard. Uh, Tyler Mott is that kind of player. He's a, a smaller guy, but he's go, go, go all the time. Um, and he's going to work hard every time he's on the ice. And he kind of brings that blue-collar style of play that, you know, I think the Lightning are striving for this year. And should be a really good addition for them and just excited to see how he can, you know, contribute because we didn't see much of him. He got injured in that first game and, you know, I thought he had a strong camp. And um, as I mentioned, this is a guy that his name has been floated around for a few years to be a potential target for the Lightning. And um, I'm excited to see how he can contribute to the team. Likewise, Chris, we only had a small taste of him in that first game. He didn't even play in the third period. He's been around, but again, not on the ice. And Gosh, I just feel so bad for him because he's brand new to this team. Yeah, he had training camp and he's around, but you really build that bond and that chemistry on the ice. It's it's a different type of bond and chemistry. But again, he's been around. He's always in good spirits. I've chatted with him here and there. He had me laughing because I was uh, waiting for a post-game or intermission interview the other night, and he walks by. You know, Chris, I was standing on a box because I'm too short when <laughs> guys are in skates, and he walks by and grabs a chair and literally stands all the way up on the chair just, like, making fun of me. <laughs> like, he's a solid dude. I really enjoy him, and I'm excited to see how he fits in 
on the ice with this team. He'll get his first taste Monday night against the Leafs. What a way to start. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's exciting. That's good. It's good to hear that he's kind of, you know, keep things light. And, it, and when we've talked to him so far, he has come across as a really nice guy. And it was interesting, too, reading the quotes that you had put out um, Monday morning and talking to him just about how the group has welcomed him and, and how comfortable he is with this group. And it's easy to go to war with those guys. So it's always nice to hear those things. We've heard that a lot about the Lightning, you know, locker room and team over the years with trade deadline acquisitions and things like that. But Nice to know that he's fitting in, and, and as I said, he's kind of a blue-collar player that I think is going to to fit right in and help the Lightning with that just go-go-go kind of style of play, and uh, excited to see what he can bring. Woohoo! All right, Chris. Next up, the Blue Line segment, and I believe that we have our first voicemail. Is that correct? Yes, so we actually received two voicemails um, on the Blue Line, so thank you to Keith and Jacob, who both called in. Uh, and left messages. Um, we're going to play Keith's. Uh, he, he shared some of his thoughts about Jonas Johansson, and, and Jacob's question was about Johansson as well. So we'll touch on that, but here's the message from Keith. Hello there, Gabby and Chris. Great podcast. I'm enjoying it every single week. Keep up the good work. I love it. So here's a question that I have. Um, I feel like Johansson is a good goalkeeper, but he's not elite, in my opinion. And I know... That's not a very popular opinion right now. I get it. But here's my question, though. Do you think that Johansson's, uh, like JoJo's success in goal, could be attributed more to the Lightning's overall team defense more than his individual achievements in goal? So I'd be really interested to, to hear a discussion on that, of the Lightning's team defense and JoJo's success, it's undeniable, but I'm kind of wondering if maybe uh, people have an overinflated opinion of the guy. He's good, but I don't think he's elite like like uh, Vassie is elite. So anyway, great job. Keep up the good work. Love you guys. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Keith, we love you too. <laughs> Wasn't that so nice? Just a great voicemail. Um, so yeah, I think it was a great question too. And and. Just, you know, we've talked about leaving messages on this voicemail box and how I think Keith was just the perfect example of kind of sharing his thoughts on the team and the situation and then asking his questions. So thank you, Keith, for for leaving that and for the support. Um, just touching on the message that Jacob had left us, he asked a similar kind of question, um, you know, saying Johansson has played well and, and he could be a starter with another team next year, potentially. Um, and his question was, what are the chances that we trade Johansson at the end of the season to a team that's having some goalie issues like a Seattle uh, in hopes of getting a player like Yanni Gord back. Uh, Jacob said he just doesn't want to believe that Yanni Gord isn't with the Lightning anymore and he's still dreaming we can get him back. So um, similar questions, but starting with Keith, I think that Johansson has played very well, very, very well. You know, we've talked about he has probably exceeded expectations. Um, we didn't know a lot about him coming into the year, but he, we've said it he has given you everything you could have possibly asked for and more, um, you know, with bringing in a guy to step in and fill the shoes of Andre Vasilevsky. Um, the team defense, there's been times that the Lightning have had breakdowns. We know they're learning that new kind of zone style um, system in the D zone. So I, I do think that they've kept a lot of shots to the outside, which has been great. Um, but with that being said, I think that he has also made some really big saves at big moments of the game. Um, and, you know, I was looking at the NHL edge statistics that they've been putting out now that they have the, the puck tracking and, and the jersey tracking as well for the players. Um, 
Johansson right now, as of Monday morning, he's second in the NHL in high danger saves with 74. Uh, Jacob Markstrom in Calgary has 80, so he was just a little bit ahead of him. But basically, the NHL defines these high danger saves as any shot coming from pretty much right in front of the crease um, in the low slot area and then just off to the side of the crease as well. Um, so 74 high danger saves, as I mentioned, second among all goalies. And um, so, like I said, when he has had to you know, be there for them, he's he's done it. And we've heard Cooper talk about this a lot over the years is, you know, it's not necessarily how many saves you make, but it's when you make them. And I think he's he's been able to bail them out on several occasions. I think back to the 2 on 0 versus Seattle, and he was able to stop that and keep a minute there. And um, so I, th- I think the, the team defense is improving, and I think it has helped him. You know, I think, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of shots from the outside. Um, so, you know, his save percentage goes up a little bit with those. But I think overall, he's played extremely well. You can't, I, you can't give him elite status yet. You know, as Keith said, he's, he's just too green right now. But um, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. The Lightning team defense deserves credit, too, for what they've been able to do with keeping shots to the outside, like I said. But, you know, Johansson, when, when the Lightning have needed him, he's been there. And I think he deserves um, a lot of credit, as I mentioned, just because he's, he's probably exceeded expectations to this point. Chris, I could not have said it any better. I didn't trust myself in the fact that, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning have tweaked their defense, so it looks a little different, and their focus is, among other things, to keep shots to the outside. So I wasn't entirely sure how much credit they deserve. I consulted my experts in two of my broadcast partners for Bally Sports, Brian Engbaum and Dave Randorf. And before I even finished trying to summarize Keith's question, they were laughing, saying, Oh no, it's all the goalie. Granted, they weren't taking away credit from the Tampa Bay Lightning defense. We know that they're back there working hard, but they have been wildly impressed, as has the rest of the Tampa Bay Lightning team. Steven Stamkos was actually asked about Johansson on Monday prior to the game against the Leafs, and this one sentence, or maybe two sentences here, really sums it up. He said, for the most part this year, it has felt like we have had Vazzy back there. He's played unbelievable. Obviously, no goalie is going to replace Andre Vasilevsky, but yes, Jonas Johansson has been a pleasant surprise for this team. He's made those timely saves. I think that phrase is key, timely saves, and he's been outstanding in goal. I don't think they could have asked for anything better. Yeah, and in hearing Stamkos talk this morning, I listened to it as well, as you know, you heard him say that it's been a huge confidence boost for the team and having Johansson back there. So I think that is great for the Lightning because they don't have to think too much. You know, they're already doing the thinking in, in terms of learning that new D-zone system. So for them to have the confidence and know that he's there to make those saves for them, I think is really big. And, um, you know, it was interesting, too, listening to, to John Cooper talk Monday morning saying that um, he would be a little disappointed if it's early December for Vasilevsky to come back, and he's hoping it's a little bit earlier. I know he said that Thanksgiving time to December 1st, they're hoping that he's back. So pretty crazy to think today, you know, Monday's November 6th, Tuesday, November 7th, and we're only a few weeks away from Bassey potentially coming back. But uh, just real quick to touch on the, the question that Jacob had in terms of him potentially being a trade piece. You know, he has shown that he, he can be a starter in the NHL to this point. He's playing really well, and um, he probably would garner some interest from some other teams that are looking for a goaltender. But, you know, if I'm the Lightning, you're looking at this guy's making 775 right now. You have him on an extremely cheap deal. They have him locked up through this season and the following season before he becomes UFA. Um, you know, with the workload Vasilevsky has had the past several years, uh, and now you know you have a guy that you can feel confident putting in the net, 
maybe take you some games. Him. Yeah, yeah, I think you keep him. You maybe take some games off Vasilevsky's plate during the season because you know that you have this guy. And um, I just think for the value you're getting at the cap number that he's at, you're probably better off keeping him than than trading him, um, depending on what a team would be willing to give up. But, you know, if a team's looking for a goalie to come in and be their starter, th- they're probably not willing to give up players because they're looking for a guy to come and impact their team right away, right? So it'd probably be trade pick, um, draft picks, which the Lightning, we know they do need some of those. But I just think with, with the deal they have him on, it makes the most sense to to keep him on the roster. And um, hopefully that's the case because he's been great to talk to and he seems to be enjoying his time here. And just great seeing him take the opportunity he's been giving and, and, and run with it. He's been unbelievable. Okay, we're moving on to our third segment, the plus minus segment. Who goes first this time, Chris? I forget. It's you are first because I said last week my plus is Braden Point, and you said, oh and my I gosh, I had the same one. And in and stole yes. your thunder. Okay. All right. Well, considering I am still on this four-game road trip, I had to do something from the road. And my plus this week is Ridge Rock Brewing Company in Carp, Ontario. It is a brewery and a restaurant owned by Calvin DeHaan and a few of his friends. Chris, we went there for a staff dinner on Friday night ahead of the game against Ottawa. There were 12 of us, so it was a crew. It was great drinks, great food, an amazing atmosphere. Calvin was actually there. He just greeted us, came over, gave us some suggestions as to what uh, we should drink and what we should eat. And then he left, but we closed the place down. We had a blast. There was live music, a gentleman named Stuart up at the mic singing. He had a guitar, (laughs) great songs. He literally hit every single genre you could want. And I loved it. It was a great place. And I was with our, our crew. So it couldn't have been better. And the team won the next day. So that is my plus for the week. Ridge Rock Brewing Company in Carp, Ontario. If you live there, you should visit. Well, you say it couldn't have been better. Would it have maybe been better if I was there? Oh, <laughs> I do really miss you. I miss you so much. Yes, you would have been a nice addition. I'm going to Photoshop you into the group photo. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. Live music, too. It's That's, that's the best whenever you're, you're grabbing a beer. So I'm glad you guys had fun. That must have been a good time um, and a good plus, too. Hopefully that maybe we can visit it sometime when we go back up there. Um, all right. My we'll plus. My plus is this week is Nikita Kucherov. Um, mm, I like it. Five-point game, obviously, against Ottawa. The fourth five-point game of his career. He passes Vinny LeCavier for the most in franchise history. LeCavier had done it three times. So, um, you know, four career games with five points. Some guys would, would hope just to have 20 points in their NHL career. So to be able to do it in four games, um, <laughs> really impressive by him. And, um, you, you know, you just look at this guy as a player is just, to me, continues to be underrated around the NHL. He's on pace for 119 points right now. He had 113 last year. The 113 last year was the second most in Lightning history in a season. It was only behind his 128-point season. So he's got the top two seasons um, and now on pace for 119. We'll see what he's able to do for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, I think I may have shared this stat before, but his first full year in the NHL was 2014-15. Since then, he's averaging 1.21 points per game. And the only player in the NHL with, with higher than that during that span is McDavid, and he's at 1.49. So it just goes to show how, how much of an impact this guy has on a night-in, night-out basis. And um, to be second in the NHL in points per game since you've come into the league, that is extremely impressive. And 
Um, you look at what he's able to do on the power play at 50 points on the power play last year, franchise record. He's on pace for 52 this year, so he's trying to break that one. And I can't say it enough. Like, he's just, to me, extremely underrated around the NHL. He's one of two Lightning players ever, averaging over a point per game in his career. He's at 1.14 points per game right now for his whole career. Stamkos is at 1.05. And this this organization, this franchise, has had a ton of really talented offensive players come through. You think of the LeCaviers and the St. Louis. Um, so it's just extremely impressive. He's one of 10 players in NHL history with multiple 30-goal, 80-assist seasons. And the list of guys that have done that, it's like Gretzky, Lemieux, Orr, Coffey. They're all Hall of Fame players. And um, so five-point game, like I said, kind of your leaders dragging you into the fight after a disappointing end to the Columbus game. I think he's just tremendous. And, you know, listening to him talk after the game, he didn't say much, but he did say it. I guess, I, but I think we, we can play a lot better still. I think that's a great quality about him is he – he always wants more for himself, and he wants more for his team as well. It's never good enough for him. And um, when you're that good and that's still not good enough, I think that's just a great sign. He's extremely talented and means so much to the organization. And um, just, you know, as I said, still an underrated player in my opinion. Um, Five-point game is a hell of a night, and hopefully he can keep it going for the rest of the year. Chris, I like that you recognized him there because, yes, I think he is very underrated. And I appreciated Mikey Acemont chiming in after that five-point night. He said that I think it started with Cooch dumping pucks in and kind of showing us that you know how to play, how to play hard, and um, he led us tonight all night, um, not just on the on the score sheet, but the way he played. So even just for younger guys, newer guys, to recognize that and to feel so strongly about it, to say it in a post game press conference, I mean that just speaks to how dynamic he is, and we can never forget that, regardless of if he has a five point night or no points. Him out on the ice, it's a game changer. Yeah, and I mean, how how often have you heard about Nikita Kucherov leading the way by dumping and chasing, you know, pucks? So that's um, <laughs> it's just great. He's he's extremely talented and and so fun to watch. Just like he makes everything look so easy. So I think he goes underappreciated sometimes in that respect. But uh, great for him. And and like I said, hopefully he keeps it going through the rest of the year. Now let's hear what you got for your minus. Chris, are you ready for this minus? Because I gave you a heads up. <laughs> right after it happened because I was that rattled. Oh, you did. And I was, I was waiting anxiously all week. So it better be a good one. <laughs> it's good, I guess, but I should just warn everyone that it is so bizarre and hopefully <laughs> so rare that this happens to me, but here we go. I'll set the scene. It was, oh gosh, I don't know if you can hear sirens from my uh, hotel room here in Toronto, but I hear them. Okay. <laughs> but this is maybe appropriate. It was Halloween in Riverview, Florida, where my home is, I, Chris, was packing, shockingly, the day before we left for this eight-day road trip. I tend to sometimes pack in the morning because there's nothing like a good pressure pack. You know, you get it done. But I was packing, if I can speak correctly, in advance. I was trying on all my outfits, as, again, I've said <laughs> I've done in the past. And I put on a pair of, like, black leather pants that I wear, Chris, all the time trying them on with my blazer, looking in the mirror, right? You put pants on, and especially when they're tight, you got to, like, put the pockets down. You know, you put your hand mm -hmm, in your pockets, mm -hmm. make sure you smooth them out. There was something in my pocket. Like, what? what is this? Is it lint? These pants are, like, a little bit delicate, so I never dry them. So they, like, hang. I just, like, hang them out to dry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween, I pull out of the pocket of my pants a frog. Oh my. That was dead and dried, 
like the size of like a quarter. Like it was like a decent size. I screamed. I had a breakdown right there. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, how it got in my pants, how long it had been there. But yeah, I'm still rattled. I packed the pants. Have I worn them yet? No. And that was my minus. How in the world could that have possibly happened? Oh, I would have a loved to see your reaction pants. to that. That's crazy. Do you have any clue I, how I it could have happened? In your washer, no. maybe? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I Cloroxed the pocket of my pants, hung them back out to dry. And again, they're in my suitcase. <laughs> I'm terrified of them. So with that being said, what is the minus? Frogs? There was a frog in my pants. <laughs> so frogs? <laughs> frogs are the minus? Just generally speaking, no. Actually, and another weird twist, frogs are my favorite animal. Favorite so, animal is a frog? Yeah. It's been that way since I was born, you know? That's a minus. Excuse me. You stop. Frog in the pants is a minus. I have it written down right here in front of me on my notes for the podcast. My minus equals frog in pants. Well, that's a great minus, and you're right. Whenever you told me you had a good one, I was like, oh, I want to guess, but I don't want to guess it and then get it right and, you know, have it spoiled. And you were like, there's no way you'll ever guess what this is, and I certainly would not have guessed that. So, Like, I just don't – in my mind, it's blown. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, but mm. at least when it happened, you were probably like, oh, boom, that's my minus for the week. So something good came yes. out of it. Yes, exactly. Okay, your turn. We got to speed this up because I had to catch this bus. Yep. All right. Well, I don't have too much to say about this minus anyway, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Self-explanatory. My minus is the Bucks. It, just a monumental oh. collapse on Sunday. Anytime the Bucks play a rookie quarterback, like if you are a gambling man or woman, just go ahead and bet on the other team. The Bucks make every rookie quarterback look like Joe Montana. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how they continue to do it. It's incredible. Just blowing games in the most heartbreaking fashion possible. I've been watching it for years. Being able to have uh, Tom Brady and experience that, the greatest quarterback of all time, and, and winning a Super Bowl during the COVID year, too. I mean, that was amazing. So it is what it is. You go through years of painful, painful memories as a Bucks fan, just as I said, watching them collapse at the end of games. And, you know, they'll crawl back into games and then find a way to tear your heart out at the end. Um, you know, not trying to trash the Bucks too much because I, I really like them, but Terrible loss on Sunday. Just absolutely horrific. I I wish I could expand on it more, but I'm just going to be extremely angry, and we are short on time, as you mentioned. So the Bucks are my minus. No reason to lose that game to the Houston Texans. Made C.J. Stroud look like, I don't know, the greatest quarterback ever. I think he threw for almost 500 yards. So secondary needs some work. Todd Bowles, you got to get on it. I will say that I thought of you when I saw that they had lost that game. So Thank there you. we go. Thank you. It's a big minus for Chris because he is <laughs> a massive Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Okay. Our fourth and final segment, the question corner. Chris, how are we going about this? Because we have our first winner. So our we do have a winner to our first ever question corner. Um, for those that listen, they know the question was Nick Paul. Um, what was his favorite Halloween costume as a kid? And Gabby, you have the details of the winner of this week's question. Here is Nick Paul's answer to what was his favorite Halloween costume when he was younger. I was playing in the backyard with my brother, and he hit me in the face with a puck, and I had two black eyes, and I went as Taidomi. How old were you? I think I went two years in a row. So I had two years in a row of black eyes at, at Halloween. I was what? Five, six, six, seven. And you were Ty Domi both years? Yeah. Thanks to your brother. Yeah. I was Goldie with no helmet. 
He's eight years old. Sorry, Gino. Doesn't always end well. <laughs> yes, the winner of this week's Question Corner is Karen. Thank you so much for your guests. You had guessed Wayne Gretzky or Dave Keon in parentheses. You said keeping it hockey related. And there it is, Nick Paul. Who knew that he dressed up as Ty Domi? That would be a tough one to guess. But, you know, as you said, Karen, guessing a couple hockey players, she was the closest. So, Karen, we'll be reaching out to you to get you your prize, a signed Nick Paul puck. And now we have Question Corner Week 2, our second time doing this. This week's question Again, if you want to submit a guess, we'll have the question posted on the Lightning Audio Network Twitter account, X account. It's at Bolts Radio. Um, so you can submit your guesses on there. Or you can submit them via email at boltsintotheblue at gmail.com. So again, you have to listen to the podcast to get the question. You can reply on X um, for your submission there, or you can reply via email. This week's question is, what is Mikey Acemont's favorite dog breed? Again, one more time. Mikey Acemont's favorite dog breed. As you guys know, each Tuesday morning, as the Into the Blue podcast drops, we're giving you a chance to win autographed pucks from a Lightning player. As I mentioned, this week's prize would be an autographed puck from Mikey Acemont. In the show, we'll give you the question that we asked the player, and you have until Sunday night to get your guess as to what their answer was by responding to our post on X from the Bolts Radio account or emailing boltsintotheblue at gmail.com. We will pick one winner at random from all correct entries. No purchase or payment necessary. Restrictions apply. Visit tampabaylightning.com slash blue for full rules, prize description, odds, and other info. Void where prohibited. And that is all we have for Episode 5 of Into the Blue. We hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Hopefully the Lightning uh, got a big win on Monday night against Toronto and you're listening to this ahead of another win against Montreal. We'll see you guys next week. Follow Lightning Radio on social media at Bolts Radio. And don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode of Into the Blue.